0: Bible for us. Can I get you guys to open up your Bibles, please, to Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 17? Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 17. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked, when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. I heard my brother was reading the Bible, so I made it extra long. Um, just, just want to uh, clarify that story. I have no recollection <laughs> that this ever happened. I, I, I have a like slight, slight memory that I was sick. So I think, I think that's that's what happened. Maybe, but I think I was so sick that I was lying in bed. <laughs> I don't know. That sounds ridiculous. Anyway, um, yeah. Moving on. Uh, well, welcome again to Kingsway. Uh, we're in the middle of a series that's going to go six weeks. Uh, we've done two weeks, uh, looking at the church, uh, We call the blueprints uh, to kind of explain that this is the way that the church, especially Kingsway, uh, is designed. This is the, the way that we are set up. And last week, uh, Pastor Daniel he talked about the importance of gathering, right? That we, as a people, gather together, right? And if you missed that, it's up online in our podcast. Uh, but today, I want to talk about the second G. So we gather, but then we also grow. Right, that's what I want to talk about today. We grow. Now, in the deeply profound movie, I don't know if you've watched it, uh, The Princess Diaries. Right? Anyone seen The Princess Diaries? It's a bit of an old movie. I realize this is 20 years old. Okay, It's showing my age. Um, Mia Thermopolis, right, played by Anne Hathaway uh, back in 2001, she's a 16-year-old girl. Right? Just trying to get through high school, just trying to get through life. And then suddenly, her estranged grandmother shows up. It turns out that her grandmother that she has like never spoken to is the queen of Genovia. And because her grandmother is the queen of Genovia, it means that Mia is the, the heir to the throne of Genovia. Right? Mia is, she finds out, a princess. Right? What a dream come true. Right? So she just wakes up one day. Or maybe a daydream for some of us, right? Well, I wish I was a princess, I wish I was a princess. And then she wakes up on one day, she finds out that she's actually a princess, right? This is actually a pretty cool movie, right, if you want to watch it. <laughs> but this new reality is kind of hard. It means that there has to be some changes and transformations in our lives, right? The reality flips her life upside down. She now has to think like a princess, right? Look like a princess, act like a princess, and the whole chunk of the movie is her trying to relearn how to walk, right? Because princesses don't walk like this, right? They walk like a princess. They they wave like a princess. They talk like a princess. Princesses do certain things, right? Wave like this. They don't do certain things. They never cross their legs. They say, right? And all of this stuff. Right? She has to transform into who she is now to be a princess to go from an uncultured, rough-edged 16-year-old to now a presentable royal princess. And wouldn't it be awesome for you and me if we woke up one day as princesses or, or princes? You know, the Bible says that that's not too far from what actually happens in our lives. The Bible says that we wake up one day and we put our faith in Christ, and in that moment, our reality changes as well. We're not princes or princesses, but we are children of God, the Most High. Right? The King of the universe, the Creator of all things, right? He's our Father. We are citizens of a different heavenly kingdom. We are ambassadors of Christ representing that kingdom. And all that God has in store for us, we will inherit one day. Right, the similarities are actually there. And similarly, this new reality comes with difficulty and growth and change and transformation. Because now that this is our reality, we must now think like a Christian, look like a Christian, act like a Christian. And we need to relearn some things, right? basic things, how we talk how we think, how we live, how we speak, right all these things must change. We don't do certain things. We must do certain things. Right? That's just part and parcel of this new reality we now have in Jesus. Right? That is what Colossians 3 is talking about. Right? That's just my sermon right there. That our reality will lead to a change in mentality and activity. Right? That's where we're going. Our reality will change our mentality, and our activity. right, let's go number one, our reality. Paul begins chapter three with these words, if then you have been raised with Christ. If then you have been raised with Christ. Everything that Paul's going to say here in Colossians 3, which is basically don't do this and do this, it hinges on if. Right, what he's saying here. If this is true, everything that I'm going to say, you've got to do as a Christian. But if it's not true, don't worry about it. Right, what does he say? If you're a Christian, you have to do these things. Right, but look at how Paul describes the Christian. He says, if then you have been raised with Christ. Right, think about that. That's an interesting way to say it. If you have been raised with Christ. Right, he says similar things back in chapter 2 and chapter 3. Right, back in chapter 2, he says this, verse 20, if with Christ you died. Right, so with Christ you died. Chapter 3, 1, with Christ you've been raised. And the verse 3 again, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Just as Jesus died, he's saying, just as Jesus died on the cross, if you're a Christian, you have died. Right? That's what he says. And just as Christ was raised from the dead, if you believe in Jesus, you have spiritually been raised to life. That is something that has happened to you. That's your reality now. Right? As Christians, we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Right? He took our place, he received God's judgment and God's wrath, he was buried, and then he rose from the dead. Right? But Paul is saying that's not just something that happened to him, that has happened to us. We don't just believe in that as Christians, we're living in that. Right? He didn't just die for you, he died with you. That's the word he says, with. Or rather, we died with him. We're not just receiving something Jesus did 2,000 years ago. We are partaking in it. When we believe in Jesus, something radically happens in our lives. There's a transformation. And it's as if you died. Your old self is died. It's been put to death. And now you are something else, something new. That transformation happens in our lives. Right? We don't just believe that Jesus died, we ourselves die. The old, sin-chasing, self-centered Paul died when I believed in Jesus. Right? Galatians 2.20, it says this, I have been crucified with Christ. Right? Do you, you kind of understand this? It's more than us like thinking about something that has happened and, you know, oh, maybe I believe it or not, it's much bigger than that. Something happens in you when you become a Christian. Now, you don't just believe in the resurrection, but when we do, we get new life, right? That's the phrase. We are a new creation. We are born again, the Bible says, All of this language language is trying to convey that there is a radical transformation that happens in you. This idea that something happens to us when we get saved, we don't just believe, but as we believe, something happens to us in the inside, we find this in the Old Testament as well. In Ezekiel chapter 36, God says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Do you see this kind of work that God is doing from the inside when we believe in Jesus? To say that you are a Christian is to say that this has happened to you. I don't just believe in something, we do but that has then changed me. We're not just saying something happened to Jesus 2,000 years ago, like I believe something happened, like I read it in the newspaper, I believe something happened. No, I believe something happened to me as well. That's what it is to be a Christian. God the surgeon put me on the table, he cut me up spiritually, he took out my heart, he put in a new one, he cleansed me inside I transformed who I am, stitch me back up. That's what happened to me as a Christian. Did you see the gravity of that? Right? It's much weighty than just I believe in something. And so the old me, the old Paul, the sin-loving Paul, it has died and now I have new life. And that is the reality we have as Christians. And if that is you, Paul is saying, If that is your reality, well, then everything should change in your life. It must. Because, again, you've changed from the inside. It's not just I thought about something and I believed in it, but God has changed you and therefore all of these dominoes will fall. But if you don't believe in it, well, we don't expect you then to live that way. Everything that I'm going to talk about today that we find in Colossians 3, it hinges on this, if. So if you are not a Christian here today, if you do not believe in Jesus, then this transformation has not happened in your heart and in your soul. And so then, for the rest of what I say, it doesn't apply to you. Like, you're free, you can fall asleep, well don't fall asleep, but you listen, because this is what will happen, this is what you should do when you become a Christian, but this isn't imposed on you. None of us should act like a princess if we are not princesses, right? So if you're not a princess, if you haven't been changed here, well, you don't have to act that way, right? That'd be silly, right? The way I like to say it is that we don't change our behavior, we change our Savior, right? That comes first. And when we change our Savior, he will change our behavior, And so that comes first, right? Change your savior. Don't sit here not believing in Jesus, trying to be a better person, right? That's not where we want, want to start. Go to Jesus, believe in him. He will transform you from the inside and then out. But if you are a Christian, everything that we find here applies to you because, again, this is who you are. You have died. As you say, I believe in Jesus who died on the cross. You have died. That old self has died. He has been put to death. And just as Christ was raised to new life, you have been raised to a new life, a new you. That is your reality. And therefore, be who you are. Be that person that you are now, as God tells you that you are. You know, my wife and I, uh, we are Korean. And, you know, both our parents are first-generation Koreans. And if you have our parents that migrated here, you probably maybe understand some of this. Uh, but we grew up, I think both of us, I was, I'll just speak for myself, uh, hearing this all the time. Right? My parents would always tell me to speak Korean. Speak Korean, you have to speak Korean, you have to speak Korean. And I'm like, why? Why do I have to speak Korean? And they'd be like, because you're Korean. Right? Because you're Korean... That's your reality. Therefore, you do certain things. And it's funny because even though my, our Korean, my wife and I, is really bad, we say this exact same thing to Reuben all the time. Speak Korean, speak Korean. Right? We're not expecting a lot. I mean, our bar is very low. You know? <laughs> like we, we can't even converse much. But, you know, just, just be able to converse with us, which is really bad. And he says the same thing. Why? Why do I have to speak Korean? And we say, because you're Korean. Because you're Korean, just, just speak a little bit of Korean. Right? Just say hello and say goodbye. Right? This is a battle we're going to lose. We're going to give up, I'm sure, very soon. But because this is who you are, it means a whole bunch of different things. Now, I'm not saying that's how you should parent. I'm not saying that we need to all speak Korean or Chinese or you know, wherever uh, you come from. But as Christians, because this is who you are, everything changes in your life. Be who you are. And that means, as a Christian, we are growing. We are growing in the way that we think to be who we are, and that we are growing in our lives to be who God says we are. So let's look at those two in these next two points. Let's look at mentality. Verse 1 to 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. What Paul is saying here is that because this is now your reality as a Christian, you have died with Christ, you have been raised to new life, you belong now not here but in heaven. That is your home, that is your kingdom, he is your king, he is your Lord. Set your mind on, on those things on the heavenly things not the earthly things on the things of christ not the things of here of eternity not just of the present right if you see here paul repeats this phrase back to back seek the things that are above and then in verse two set your minds on things that are above not on things on earth paul cuts a line in the sand He sets a dichotomy here. He says it's either heaven, the things above, or earth. And your mind is consumed and thinking about one of the two. And those two things aren't compatible. You can't just be of earth and of heaven. You can't just be consumed of earth and of heaven. You've got to pick one. And as a Christian whose eternity is with God and Christ, your mind should be there that's what he's saying your mentality and everything that you're thinking about everything that rolls around in here should be related to there you know before you meet jesus all you know is earth and therefore it makes sense that all we think about and all we live for is earth it's about the now it's about the self sin and building our reputation or fame or fortune here. But that's not your reality anymore. You're a child of God, a citizen of heaven, an ambassador of Christ, and you know that heaven is real. You know earth is temporary, a blip in light of the eternity we will spend with God in the new heavens and new earth. Because that is your reality, Doesn't it make sense that your mind would not be consumed with the things of the earthly now, but be consumed of the place that we will go to? I don't know if you've ever planned a dream holiday or a dream wedding, right? Peter just came out of that. You know, when you plan something like that, you you can get so consumed in it, I don't know if you've ever done this, right? I just saw a married couple, a couple that's about to get married, look at each other. I'm not going to turn their way. Um, you just get so into it, right? It's like all you can think about is that holiday or that wedding. Every waking moment is you've got a checklist in your mind. We've got to do this. We've got to call that person. We've got to do that. Right? You're deep into the organization. It just, just kind of takes over your life. Every living moment. And when you lie at night on, in bed, right, that's all. That consumes you. That's kind of what we're meant to be as Christians. Dreaming of a place that we are not at. And that even though we're physically here, our mind is elsewhere. Right? You know there's people? They're already on, on their holiday. Right? They're not, they, they've checked out already at work. They're somewhere else. The Christian is a person who's physically living on earth. But our minds, our thoughts, our decisions are all leading to that place. That is our reality. And that changes our mentality. Now, we don't get this perfect, but we're growing in this all the time. Trying to think more on the things of Christ, trying to understand God and heaven and the scriptures more and more. But we're growing in knowledge as Christians. That's what it is. Because that's our reality, we're trying to understand this more and more. So let me ask you how much do you seek the things that are above? How much of your living moment is about heaven? Versus earth. Are you driven by earthly ambition or heavenly ambitions? Are you consumed about investing into earth wisely? Right? Buying that house, property, whatever, whatever. Or are you consumed about investing into heaven? Evangelizing, bringing people to church, etc. Are you willing to sacrifice the things of earth in order to gain more of the things of eternity? And do you care to understand not just world issues, but God issues and biblical issues? And Studying not just you know, what people say on YouTube about what's going on in the world, but studying the scriptures and what God says about himself and us. That's what it is to set your mind on the things above. Now, as I say this, again, we're growing in it. We're not going to get this right. I mean, no person is like, you know, open up their brain, is like, Jesus. We're, we're, we're all kind of, you know, here and there, we're trying, we're fighting to do this. Right? Look at the way Second Corinthians says it. It says, we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Right, saying the same thing. Right? Set your mind on heaven. Look not to the things that are seen, right, that's the earth, but to the things that are unseen, that's the things above, for the things that are seen on earth are transient, right? It's going to pass us by. But the things that are unseen, the things above of heaven, are eternal. Now, when you read that sentence, you can see how hard it is, right? Because it's a paradox. Look to the things, not that are seen, but are unseen, right? That makes no sense. How do I look to what is unseen? How do I look, how do I see what is unseen and not see what is seen? Right? You're like, what are you talking about? That sounds impossible. And in a way, it really is. And except by the power of the spirit that is at work in us, we, we can't do this because we wake up every morning and we see what is seen right we we see the stuff around us we see our job we see our workmates we see our bank account we see the numbers rising and falling uh, we see the stocks we see you know, our earthly problems we see the now we see what is seen and it's so hard to not see that and to see what we cannot see a heaven that we've never been to a Christ that we've never touched an eternity that we've been promised, but we have never stepped foot into. Right? This is the Christian life, and it's not easy. And so in order to do this, we need to do a whole bunch of things. To see what is unseen, we've got to go to the Scriptures. We need to look at the Word, and it reminds us in every page of the unseen. Right? The unseen God, the unseen promises, the unseen eternity that is ours in Christ. We need to seek God in prayer. We take a break from the noise of the world, the scene, and we close our eyes, no longer seeing that, and we cast our heart and our focus on God. We wrestle with him, we speak to him. That's how we see the unseen. We preach reality, our reality, to ourselves. As we live our lives, we remind ourselves, I'm not made for here. I've died to my old self. I've been raised with Christ to a new life. We tell ourselves these things. And we gather with like-minded community to help us do all of that. Community that helps us look at scripture. Community that helps us to pray and we pray for one another. We pray together. We pray for and with each other. A community that will preach the truth to us. A community we preach to. That's what we need, because this is really hard to do. And that's what we're about here. We want to grow, but we need each other to do it. And that's why we're we're here right now. That just for a moment in our busy, busy lives that we might pause and try to look at what is unseen. Try to cast our minds on the things above. But to be honest, the Sunday is short, and... It's hard to wait seven days to do it together again. And so we've got this great thing that we've set up that helps us grow. We call it growth groups, right? I'm just going to segue into an advertisement. That's why we've created midweek groups, because it is difficult to live out our reality. So what growth groups is basically is a group of people, maybe six to 10 people, Gather at a home or at a cafe to do these things. Look at the scriptures, to pray together and for each other, to tell each other, remind ourselves, remember this is what the Bible says, remember this is what Christ has promised, and to walk together that we might set our minds on the things above. Growth Group sign-ups are open. You can come to me anytime. In verse 16, Paul says this: Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Right? This is the scriptures saturating our lives. And then we are teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. We're singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Right? That's everything we're doing here. We're letting the word be rich. And then we're teaching, we're admonishing, right? We're rebuking one another, and we sing together. We do that here, and we do that at growth groups as well. Number three, our reality should just change our mentality, right? What's going on in our minds, but also it should change our activity, right? What we do. Now, the activity verses is all the way from verse 5 to 17, and so I'm not going to go unpack everything there. I just want to point out three things that we find here. Three things in these uh, verses from verse 5 to 17. The first thing is, again, and I said this before, that the reality leads to activity, right? We start with reality. The reality changes mentality. The reality changes activity. Change your savior, he will change your behavior, and we can't get that the wrong way around. If we get it the wrong way around, we will begin to think that it is the way that I think that makes me a Christian. Or it's the things that I do, my activity, that makes me a Christian. But that is not how the gospel works. Never works that way. Whether you are not a Christian or if you are a Christian, that is not how it works. Your identity is secure in Christ. If you have turned to Jesus in faith, you have already died to your old self. You're already raised to new life. That is who you are. That is your reality, and now just live in it. But don't get it the other way around. Now in verse 3, Paul says, you have died. But in verse 5, he says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And that's basically saying, You are a person who's died, and so every day, live it out, right? Put it to death, right? I've died, but daily, I'm putting to death, right? Become who you are, a person who has put sin to death. He says something similar in verse 12 about the good things we're meant to do. Verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, all these things. Compassionate heart. Kindness, humility, meekness, patience. Again, see the order. You are chosen. You are holy. You are beloved. And because you are these things, do these things, right? Not the other way around. You're not holy because you put on these things, but because you are holy, do these things, right? Does this make sense? It is very, very important that we get this right. We so often think our holiness is based on what we do, but in Christ, we are already counted as holy and righteous. We live it out now. We just live out what we are. Reality, reality leads to activity. The second thing I wanna point out is that we put sin to death. When talking about sin, Paul uses strong language. Verse five, he says, put to death. What is earthly in you? Now, sometimes as Christians who've grown up in the church, if that's you, we hear phrases so often that like, they kind of lose their, their punch. Right? Be born again. We're like, yeah, 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 yeah. When you think about that, right? Nicodemus, when he heard that, he was like, what are you talking about? Being born again? And he asked, he actually asked, do I go back into my mother's womb? He can't make sense of what is being said here. Now, when we read put to death, we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but think about what it's saying. Murder your old self. That's what it's saying. The Bible says do not murder. We shouldn't murder. But if there's anyone you murder, it is your old self, your sinful self. Put it to death. Sin isn't a pet that we keep around, a toy that we play with. Sin is something that we must kill when we see, because it is dangerous. And we must kill it, eliminate it, exterminate it, any sin in our lives. Put it to death, he says. Let me just read verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And he gives five examples. This isn't an exhaustive list. Sexual immorality. This is any kind of sexual sin. Sex outside of marriage, adultery, pornography. Put it to death. Don't keep it around. Don't skirt the line and get as close as you can and say, well, no, this isn't really sin. Just, just kill it. Impurity. Right. Any kind of moral corruption right, morals defined by God, right, not, those, not this world, passion, right, ungodly passion, and this would include stuff like lust, evil desire, this is our tendency in all of us to long for sinful things that are not God, covetousness, this is greed, our desire for more and more and more, I right, kill that, idolatry. Right, this is idolatry, he says. Putting something else in competition with God. Put these things to death. You have any of that in your life? Yes, we all do. Don't keep it around. Don't just minimize it. Don't try to outweigh it with good and say, well, I know I'm keeping that around, but I've done all these good things, so they're going to outweigh it. No, you've got to kill it. Kill it. Right? This, this, this harsh language here. It to death. Verse 8, but now you must put them all away. And now it gives another example, another list of examples. Put away anger, wrath, right? Very similar to anger or rage, malice, wishing ill on someone. Have you ever wished ill on someone? Because they've hurt you and you're like, I just wish they'd trip over and stub their toe. No? Okay. I have. You just, just, you're like, I don't know, if something bad happens to them, you're like, yeah, well, they kind of deserved it, right? Malice, get rid of that. Slander, any speech that defames someone, that puts another person down, get rid of it. Obscene talk from your mouth, anything filthy or obscene that comes out of your mouth, get rid of all these things. Paul says in verse six, all these sins, God hates On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Because of sin, one day God will come in judgment and he'll pour out his anger, his wrath on sin. And as a non-Christian, this should make you afraid. That the sins that you have committed will one day receive judgment from God. And maybe you're sitting here thinking, that doesn't sound loving, What is loving is that God has made a way out for you. That he has sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. That if you believe freely as a gift, you can be saved. That's loving. But even as a Christian, we need to read this and feel the weight of sin. And understand that sin, even though we're not going to be judged for it, is still disgusting and despicable to God. And we too must put it to death whenever we see it. God hates sin. Right, put sin to death. And number three, put on holiness. In verse 9 to 10, Paul kind of gives this image. He says, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. Put off, put on. And he says it again in verse 12 and 14. In verse 12, he says, put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy beloved, put on compassionate hearts, put on kindness, put on humility, put on meekness, put on patience, etc." This language of put off and put on uh, was used in the Bible to talk about changing clothes. You put off your old clothes, the dirty clothes, cast it aside, you put on the new clothes, right? That's the way this word is used. And Paul is saying in a similar way, as a person who has died in Christ, raised to new life, you're a new creation, every day, put off that old self. That old self that tends to be angry or lust or love yourself way too much or be selfish, put it off and put on these other things. Put on, he says, compassionate hearts, right? That's love characterized by mercy, right? The way that you act towards people, be it loving and merciful. Put on kindness. This is gracious acts. When you see someone and you don't need to be good to them, but you're good to them anyway, that's kindness. Put on humility. Think of yourself less and value others more, right? And live that out. Put on meekness. Right, gentleness, self-giving, and put on patience. Right, we know what patience is. We know what impatience is. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. And then verse 14, put on love. You know, I watched a clip recently um, of a sports person. I oh, want you to imagine with me an athlete who is traded from one team to another, right? You know, whatever sport you follow, change teams, and they show up at their next match. But they're not wearing their new team's jersey, but they're wearing their old team's jersey. And they get onto the court, and instead of defending the other team, they start playing for you know, the wrong team, their old team. Right, trying to block their new team. right? That, that sounds absurd, right? Because a person who has had that kind of change should put on the new jersey and live out what it means to represent that team, right? But a Christian who fails to do that is like a person who has changed teams into God's team. but We put on that old sinful jersey and we're playing for sin and we're blocking God, right? It sounds absurd. Sometimes that's what we do, right? The clip that I saw was basically a guy that got traded. I mean, he wore the right jersey, but he got onto the court and I don't know if you know basketball, but before the tip off, you, you, you stand and you guard someone, just, you know, you get ready and he guards someone of his own team, right? Because he's, he's playing his old team, but instead of guarding his old team, right, defending them, he guards his new team. And I was, it's just, I don't know, it's funny. Right? It's not funny to you. Maybe if you watch it, it's funny. Anyway, I watched that thinking, you're so silly, right? You're, you're guarding the wrong person. We are now of a new team. We have taken off our old self and the old practices that go with it. And we put on the new self. Every morning you wake up and you look in the mirror. And you put on whatever you want to impress the world with. Think about what characteristic of Christ you can put on. To show the world what it is to be Christian. Today, humility. Today, compassionate hearts. Today, kindness, right? We need to like actively put it on. It's not going to slip onto you by default. Put it on. Cast away the old self, right, and live that out every day. A couple of nights ago on Friday night, uh, uni, I had to record a video for one of her friend's birthdays, and we c- kind of, We were busy this week. We put it to the last minute. We're like, oh, it's due today. And so she ran to rush into my room. We set up the iPad. We're going to take this video together to say happy birthday to one of her friends. And then I was like, whoa, 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 stop, 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 stop. I can't take the video. And the reason why was, uh, okay, I'm going to confess it. I was wearing my old church's jumper, right? And, And there was just something in me that was like, I can't be seen like this. Wearing my my old clothes, right? And, and and that's you can. I'm saying you can. But I just there was just this thing inside me that said this is this isn't who I am anymore. It kind of feels a bit weird to kind of you know have you know the chest that must not be named here on on my on my chest, like when I'm not a part of it. Now I'm, it's fine. I wear it all the time. The the jump is comfortable, etc. But that was just the thought that came into my mind, right? I, I should. It kind of feels a bit weird because. You know, I'm not at that church anymore. In a similar way, we shouldn't wear the things that we are not anymore. Put on your godly attire and present that to the world, right? not your old clothing. Put it to death and put on the new self. As we close, do you see the parallels between the princess diaries and the Christian life? Even more radical than waking up to be the princess of Genovia, we Christians, we've woken up to a greater reality. We have died. Our old self has been killed. Christ has given us new life. That's who we are. Now it's time for us to live out who we are. We need to grow in the way we think. It needs to change. It needs to transform. We need to grow in the way that we act. It needs to change. It needs to transform because we are not who we used to be. We are now children of God, ambassadors of Christ, citizens of heaven, representing him. We need to grow into that. Learn some basic things, things that are so ingrained into us that we need to change. I remember when I became a Christian, I need to relearn how to speak because the way that I spoke, like every fifth word was a swear word and you've relearned some very basic things that Christians just don't do anymore because that is no longer who we are. We are now believers. Again, this isn't easy. Let me just share one story. I remember um, I I read this story this week. This pastor was recounting um, a conversation he had with a Christian and he says this. This guy comes up to him and he says, The guy says, there's no way I can be a Christian because I'm just grappling with these things all the time. I'm struggling all the time. And the pastor says, me too. And the guy says, you don't understand. I'm always at war inside of myself. And the pastor said, me too. And the other guy says, no, 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 you don't understand. Let me tell you. This is what I mean. If you could prove to me today that the bones of Jesus are in the ground in the Middle East, that is, that is, Jesus didn't rise from the dead and he just died and he stayed there. If you could prove to me that Jesus is in the ground in the Middle East, his bones, I would leave here and get as drunk as I could get and have every drug I could find and sleep with any woman that would let me. And the pastor said, me too. As a matter of fact, the pastor says, the Bible says that's exactly what we ought to do Right, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. But do you believe that the bones of Jesus are in the ground in the Middle East? Right, do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? And the guy says, guys, I believe. And that's why this is so hard. I'm constantly in this turmoil, fighting against this inside. Right, fighting right, to, to live this way, even though it pulls me the other way. And the pastor says, What you're living is the normal Christian life. We are people who've died to sin, we've raised to new life, but it's still hard. But because we believe in Jesus, we are fighting, fighting to be who we are, fighting to be holy, blameless, like Christ. But it's not easy. There's a war inside of us, there's doubt, there's struggle, but that is the Christian life until we get to heaven. It's not easy and that is why we need each other. We need to do this together. And so I want to encourage you to continue to gather. Right, we heard that last week. Gather here every Sunday. But as you grow, if you need more support, we have growth groups. Or maybe ask someone out for a coffee Find someone to meet with regularly, right? We need to do this together. All right, let's close our eyes and let's pray. We don't just believe in the gospel. We live in the gospel. and The gospel is not just something that happened to Jesus. But if we would turn to Him in faith, something happens to us. God does some heart surgery. And we die just as Christ died on the cross. Our old self is put to death. And by the power of His Spirit... God transforms us from the inside and that begins to flow onto the outside. I want to invite each of us here to that reality. If you are not a Christian, I invite you to believe in Jesus. And this is just a mental exercise. It's not just believing in something that happened thousands of years ago. When you believe and turn to Jesus, God works in your life and your reality is changed. You are no longer who you used to be. You have new life. You are reborn. You are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. That's the promise of the scriptures. When we turn to Christ, that is what happens. And so I I invite you here today if you are longing for a clean slate, for a new chance, if you're longing to be who God has longed you to be rather than who you've made yourself to be, turn to Jesus in faith. Surrender your sins and your life at the foot of the cross and God will transform your heart, your soul and everything will begin to change. If you are a Christian here today, that is our reality. Live in that reality. Be who you already are. We don't have to try to earn God's love, His favour. He already has chosen us. We are already counted as holy. We are precious in His sight. Just live it out. That is who we are. Cast your mind on the things above. And day by day, put sin to death. And put on godly living. Let's wrestle with God with this reality that He says is ours in Jesus Christ. Let's spend a bit of time in prayer. Let's pray.